This is the one with a nosy palmer. A wailing grayling. A Metabilis three crystal. No tixie backsies. And sex Cronenbergs. It's called Hide. Here we go. Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel's hour. Dalek, Cyber, Zood and Wow! Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whittaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Hello! Everybody and welcome to another episode of Who About When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. This week we'll be discussing N098 Hide. Uh. Ooh. With me today are my two co-hosts. I have right next to me Drew Back When. Oh, that's what you're called. <laughs> and across from him we have Leon! Uh, oh, that's what I'm called. Leon. Hello! That's what you're called now. Yeah. Yes, that I'm rebranding. I'm <laughs> <laughs> still looking for a piece of excellent branding. <laughs> we'll get there one day. And I am Marie. Hello, Marie. Hi. 98. 98! My goodness! What a lot of episodes. That's... Very nearly triple digits. And the very last Matt Smith is 104. Oh, what? No, that's so soon. So six to go after this one. <gasps> We're in the middle of all sorts of countdowns. And count-ups. <laughs> you yes. must be thrilled with this. Oh, yes. I couldn't be happier. People have been looking forward to this episode. Oh, really? Which yes. people? Well, Phoenix Phil on Facebook last week was like, Ugh, I hate Cold War, but it gets us closer to Hyde. Oh, so... that's true. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. People like this episode. Yeah. Am I sensing from this that you don't? I'm trying to read the room. <laughs> Stop being so damn inscrutable. <laughs> I kind of liked it too. Uh, I super liked it. So. Super, li- yeah. super liked it? We're going to get you down to a reasonable level. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Drew? I have a third opinion. Oh. <laughs> you hated it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Marvellous. <laughs> All right. Shall we summarize this in what you might call us? Um, a beast cow? Yeah. Let's. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and, and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? Scotland, 1974, and the wind blows high and the wind blows low. Professor Alec Palmer is trying to rebuild himself as a gentleman after being harrowed for king and country, maintaining a respectful distance from his willing assistant Emma Grayling as they investigate paranormal goings-on at his remote mansion. Will she, as an empath and he as a professor of psychology, never intuit each other's repressed feelings and progress to going bump in the night? (laughs) Enter Doc and Clara, ghost-hunting health and safety pals from the Ministry, to make this match while finding the witch of the well without a well who probably isn't a witch. Thumps, cold spots, and clammy handshakes ensue as the spam-supplied spirit leads them a scary dance, and the doctor proves he'll go to the ends of the earth just to solve a mystery. But exactly who will be bumping uglies and playing hide the sausage once they've got to the shapely bottom of all this? Beast cow over, you are welcome. Aren't you just... Yay! <laughs> <laughs> when are we dropping the shameless plug? Oh, this episode of Who Mac When is brought oh. to you by... Uh, Time Lord Vodka. 
Oh, it's changed name already. It was TARDIS <laughs> Vodka 20 minutes ago. Oh, no, no. It's Time Lord Vodka. It's on the logo and everything. You have I, a logo for yeah, it? Yeah, I haven't printed it out yet. I haven't bought bottles either. Uh, I may or may not. I mean, I may very well not have done this because I don't think it would be entirely legal, but I may or may not have. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Uh, I may or may not have distilled some vodka <laughs> and filtered it through the granulated, activated carbon of a collapsed star inside my TARDIS in the garden. Yeah, and we're sipping, or we may or may not be sipping <laughs> some of it right now. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it may or may not taste like my youth. <laughs> the one I had earlier just tasted like orange. This one tastes very strong. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm loving it. Surely that's the point of it. It transports you back to your happiest time. Yes. Mm. Oh, excellent. I'm going to get one of those licenses that allows me to tell the truth on this podcast, and then you are doing public relations. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so back to this episode. Back to this episode. Shall I start us with a question? Yes, please. My question is, why is it called Hyde? Oh, that's one of my questions as well. (laughs) Well, like, one of my notes 35 minutes in was, nobody is hidden once. <laughs> like, I was really, I got to the end, did I really, did I miss something? Did I fall asleep in this? But I don't understand. It's absolutely, there's one ham-fisted line in there about someone hiding in the dark, I think, or hiding in the shadows, but it, it's... It's the sex Cronenberg. Exactly, yeah, it's not about, yeah, but that's, that's also bullshit. Yeah, sure, so there's a Cronenberg in this forest <laughs> that floats through space. They are hiding behind the trees. Yeah. A bit. Yeah, still. And the doctor calls him, her, it out on it. Yes. So it it is an option to name your episode. There may have been 30 or 40 better ones, (laughs) but it is at least present. It did have other working titles. Really? I feel like if you were going to make an episode called Hide, it should be like a really elaborate game of hide and seek. Yes, exactly. It should be more prominent. Yeah. Yeah, it it could be something like the... the equivalent of the Celestial Toymaker, but not the Celestial Toymaker because it was dreadful, puts them through one of these, just the rigmarole of a hide-and-seek game across time and space. Or everyone's using animal hide to disguise themselves <laughs> so they can hide from animals that are trying to eat them. <gasps> Ooh, Ooh, double hide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hiding under a hide. Mm. Okay, so working titles. The Phantom of the Hex... Oh, that is worse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and d- if you don't think hide is is appropriate, how about the hider in the house? Okay. The hider. Let's turn that into a noun. Let's turn that into a profession. In fact, what do you do? What do you do for a living? I'm a hider. I'm a hider. The Wait, hider in the who house. Is that even really? Is that the w- the witch? Yeah, I guess so. I think the hider in the house is actually Sex Cronenberg's mate. Oh yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Now the Sex hider Cronenberger. in the house. <laughs> so sex cronenberg has been living there for how ha- for what for how long forever eight centuries eight centuries no se- centuries oh a century yeah well as long as the house has been around at, at least right um, before that well uh, nobody knows what is, is cronenberger doing in scotland is she linked stop? with the witch because the witch has been I, there since i think so time immemorial. so so this Pocket Universe operates on a one-in-one-out policy. Hyla Takorian falls Wait. in, and the Lady Cronenberger <laughs> then is pushed out. I and she's immortal and can survive forever. Apparently. Maybe the... Yeah, exactly, because she or he... Wait, wait, do we know... We don't know genders no. here, right? So the Cronenberg in the castle. Cronenberg in the castle would have been a great title. Oh. <laughs> the, 
the Cronenberg in the castle is not living in every moment in time uh, uh, at the same okay. time, right? Yeah. She is the time traveler. And she, I guess she's like, oh, she's uh, by extension the Cronenberg in the pocket universe. It also is. So what should that be happening is he's that he's not on any photographs. Snapped photographs of He's monsters. He's busy hiding. Uh, well done, Neil Cross. Great naming <laughs> strategy there. <laughs> but no, yes, Lady Cronenberger. We don't know how she got we there. She don't say Lady Cronenberger because we don't know. Okay. The Cronenberg in the castle. Yeah. The Cronenberg in the high castle, yes. We don't know how she got there. It got there. We don't know how long it's been there. And... We don't know how it, I suppose after a while it would learn English so it could write help me on the walls because who else is writing that? Wait, that's not, oh. wait, are you telling me that's not written by the... Hyla Sikorian? Yeah. How exactly did Hyla Sikorian write that on the wall? Leon? Well, how did... How oh, why did, would she? How did Cronenberg write it on the wall? What, like, just in ectoplasm? But no, that makes absolutely no sense because she, she's only got three minutes to, like, run for her life. She's not writing on... She can't even see yeah, the castle. They don't have an echo house until later yeah. in the episode. But these three minutes, it's like Vonnegut. Like, she's come unstuck in time. So she exists in every single moment in time forever, always, right? Isn't that what the Doctor does? He, he travels to beginning, yeah. middle, end, effectively, of the Earth, yeah. takes a little snapshot, and she is in all of these pictures. Yeah. yeah Ooh, so she exists everywhere. Which I also had issue with, because he takes... he physically takes the Nikon camera from lovely Dugray and takes wonderful photos. And all throughout history, these photos have been all blurry and ghostly and like, Ugh. and suddenly he's got really like pixel sharp, perfect photos from the same camera. Why the same camera, by the way? What does he need that camera for? I don't know. Surely he's got a, ta- a better camera in the TARDIS that would take better photos. Does he even need a camera? Well, like, this- can he not do something else? What, why does he have to have... Okay, in order to see if there are any trace elements of time traveler energy in, you know, across the Earth or across time... Of the, oh, fuck. Across time. In this space in Scotland. Yeah. Doesn't he have some sort of timeometer? Does, can he can he sonic it? Well, Why does he have to take an uh, an old timey camera? Oh, that if he sonic it, you'd be, have... you'd be annoyed that he'd sonic it. That's true. It. That's true. But he yeah. maybe he can have maybe he can have a timeometer that checks Why for the Tardis have a Cro- camera. Wait, Cronenberg's Chrono Chrono Chronobergs. <laughs> okay, because because. Yeah, they're time like travelers. They're I've, Chronobergs. I feel like that's happenstance. Oh, I don't know how they. I mean, I don't think they set up this pocket universe. Early in the episode, when Doc and Clara are pretending to be from the Ministry, I yeah. would have submitted subterfuge as a justification for the Doc being like, "I'll just borrow your piece of equipment if you don't mind, old chum. Uh, I left <laughs> mine back at the Ministry and all that." Yeah. But but then he also he does Sonic lots of stuff in this episode. Yeah, and they see the TARDIS much. disappearing and reappearing yes. and. Evidently, they have zero problem with them being time travelers after all. Wait, not just that. If we jump straight to the end, we have no no problem. They have no problem if suddenly finding out that such a thing as time travel exists. Being stuck in the same time and space as an actual time traveler who is their like great great grand 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 whatever uh, daughter. What, what's the time traveler going to do now? She's just stuck in freaking <laughs> Scotland in the seventies. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, she is. So- their family dies out there. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I hope <gasps> you enjoyed having a lineage. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe 
she's got a sister, you don't know. Also, how does and why does Doc take the photo in that particular spot? Because as far as we're aware, the ghost is going to appear from the cellar in the stairwell or something in the very much in the house. And then the tortoise is outside of the house. Okay. And Doc yeah. just literally steps out and takes a photo every time and gets a bang center of the shot every time. He takes a selfie at one point and <gasps> she's right behind him does as well. He? How does he know where to take a photo? It's almost as though she seeks out his camera or seeks out whomever is seeking out her. Because she I then think comes the through you're... the doorway to, uh, what's her face, the empathic uh, woman, Grayling. The connection with the empathic woman is genuine, but I think the sentence you're looking for for everything else is, is a bit too convenient. Okay. No, it I agree, I agree with you. Okay, I, I have more questions. Maybe he took like a thousand photos and they were just like the top five that came out. Okay. <laughs> he went around. Just... This, is, this is a camera with film in it. He can't go like, <laughs> oh, snap, 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 snap. He has to, you know, th- there are maybe 24 or 36 pictures he can take with this camera. That's it. <laughs> Even but... better reason not to use this camera. Yeah. Dougary is going to go. Clara's got a better camera on her phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but maybe maybe it's one of those spe- spectral imaging things that it, I, I'm really sorry, iPhones, they're too good. They automatically crop out all ectoplasm from your photos. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Is it Dougary or Dougray? I don't know. I said Dougray, but... I go with Dougray. I've always said Dougray, and I apologize. (laughs) Dougray, Dougray, if you're listening, I apologize. Write in and tell us. (laughs) Yeah, please do. Dougray? Yeah, I've got a question about him as well. (laughs) Since we were talking about the time-traveling... Well, them being stuck with the time-traveling... Let's just call her the granddaughter, great-granddaughter. Yeah. Can you tell me anything, literally anything, about this time-traveling granddaughter, except for her name, and except for her relation to them? Unlike all the pictures of her ever taken. Yes, yeah, that really bothered me. It's just a ghost face. Yeah. It's, it's pure white with... Dark, hollowed eyes. Yeah, yeah. And, and a screaming mouth. A ridiculously naff-looking screaming mouth that they keep returning to, I might add. <laughs> but you guys I, love this, so whatever. I thought that looked pretty badass. Yeah, I, I, then when it when it turned out, wait, there is no ghost and it isn't malicious and and all that stuff. Then I thought, well, wait, why did we get to see that? It weird feels face like she before? would never have pulled that face when she was just Absolutely running. Ain't, why is she running from the Cronenberg? In the because he's there's not a, chasing her; he's just hiding. Uh, there's a crazy Cronenberg, and you're stuck in the forest. Yeah, and he's yeah, laughing evilly because that's the best way he knows to hitch a lift into a parallel dimension. <laughs> <laughs> You'd absolutely run from a Cronenberg. But wait, seriously, we we find out zero mm, about this person. That's true. Nothing. She has a she has a really cool time travel outfit. Yeah. So where did she get that from? Did she just invent it? Did she build it in her like in her shed, or was she part of some scientific organization? We have no idea. Which time did she come from what where did she go where was she heading where will she come from where did she go where did she come from come Nigel <laughs> sorry we had that on earlier yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no everyone thinks we're really lame <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah good thing they're wrong <laughs> So your single question has become about 80 questions. Uh, I have we answered any of them. I have another three that I've written down as introductory questions <laughs> okay. and way more in my notes. Go for it. Yeah? Okay, just the time travel thing and then a high-level Doctor Who question. But So two time travel technology questions slash spectral phenomenon questions. Ooh, transmundane. Is it? Why was there a wormhole and also the big white door thing that everyone walks through? Yeah, well, I, I wrote down what is the spinning disc all about? Yeah. Is that what you mean by the yeah. wormhole? Yeah, what the 
Because that's never that. ever used. It just appears and then. What is this spinning disc? And then flashes everywhere. Because they don't come through. You, they should come through the spinning disc, but they don't. They just walk through the big white door. It seemed like that was its own sentient thing to me when when I was watching this. Why is that happening? Yeah, I've got nothing for you. Okay. No, I've got nothing. All right. What was the cold spot about? Ooh, the cold spot! With the dry ice rising from it. From his lovely circle that he drew. Yeah, yeah. That, it looked really cool, but... It did look really cool. Yeah, so what about it? Well, I don't know, because in the forest, the dock isn't breathing out with, you know, icy condensation all around him, which I thought could have been a possible explanation, but there is none. No. They didn't bother. They, they ran out of effect. So it's just... Wait, does anything come out of this circle later on? Don't no, no, it, it's so just long. it's just spooky. It's a spooky circle. Because he goes, oh, it's cold here. It's not cold there. It's not cold there. It's not cold there. It is cold here. He mm. draws a circle, leaves it. We never ever return to it, as far as I'm aware. Uh. Why did we spend a minute establishing <sighs> this? Spooky. And it doesn't factor into the plot. So to scare Clara, because Clara's very scared, and it's very she's very good at being scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Do you know what? I'm regretting my super now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So in the cold open where Emma Grayling has the first sort of connection to the spirit that we see, and the spirit walks bodily into her, and she goes, she's so dead. No, she's not. (gasps) Yeah, right. right. She's not dead. She's very much alive. Yeah, nobody dies in this episode. (sighs) So that was a fake out. Yeah. Maybe she's just a really shit empath. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I mean... She can't figure out the Wait, maybe she's faking it. Maybe she's just well, a charlatan because she's and she's oh, in love with uh Dugray. That she's would... like she's basically showed up at, at the job interview with a crystal ball. Like, like <laughs> no, no, seriously, I'm psychic. And then <laughs> he's hired her and now she's just saying stuff she thinks he wants to hear. Oh, she's dead and you should date someone roughly yay high with hair like mine wearing a what am I wearing? Oh, with a dress like this. Uh, yeah. 17 years younger than you. I'm fine with that. <laughs> at, at least because no that's she, the age gap of the actors oh really oh of the actors yeah. yes but he, oh, i think he's playing that. a bit older because <laughs> think? because it's 1974 and he had to have been an soe ministry of ungentlemanly warfare agent during the war that's a good 30 years earlier so he must be 50 yeah and she's not 33 no she's not she could be i'm 33 you're telling me i look older than her uh, wait. hang on wait what <laughs> yeah 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 dig your dig your way out of this one drew <laughs> marie you it's your face deal with it oh <laughs> whoa <laughs> harsh words wow mm. someone someone is currently uh, an agent of ungentlemanly <laughs> what was that I think Duke Grace <laughs> Scott's probably older than 50, isn't he? I think so, too. Yeah. But not so, when he played this. Do you ever mistake Duke Grace Scott for James Purefoy, who, in turn, is like a Lauren Gerard Butler? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I know who James oh, I'll, Purefoy I'll, is. I'm going to pull some photos of them up. Uh, James P- Purefoy? No. Oh, Duke Grace Scott? No. They're super similar. Duke Grace Scott is a cross between James Purefoy and Rich Hall. <laughs> Duke, Duke Gray Scott was born in 1965. Yeah, and this was 2013, so 48. Was he only 48? Uh, okay. I would have picked him for older. Take that, <laughs> Duke yeah. Gray Scott. Sorry, I mean, I love you. <laughs> and he has like, such, a gr- such a great voice. Like, he I is wonderful, listen actually. To him all day. I'm trying to think of what I've seen him in, but I... I Desperate Housewives? I'd never watched that. What? Was he? Yeah. Who was he in Desperate I'm looking at uh, Character played by Duke Gray Scott. Oh. oh. That's the one. <laughs> That's unfair casting. 
Yeah, what a stitch up. <laughs> James Purefoy was in the waiting room. <laughs> Ron Rob to play two Grace Scott. Sorry. I mean, you were great, but you weren't quite do Grace Scott. It's either Dugray Scott or James Beaufoy, who's the bad guy in Mission Impossible 2. Oh, I think Mission Impossible is coming up. It's him. It's it's Dugray. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ever After, My Week with Mar- Marilyn. He's in the TV show version of Snatch. Yeah, I mean, that, that oh, seems my to God. stick out. I'm just going down MDV and I very nearly went, oh, he's in Doctor Who. Very. <laughs> is this your first episode? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, My Week with Marilyn. Homemade vodka. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's in Ripley's Game. Desperate Housewives, 18 episodes. Deep Impact, I don't remember that. You know what? Who cares? I think we're done with Dugray. I think so, too. Shall we move on to um, Jessica Rain? Who's that? Is that uh, the... Lady o- Empath. Lady Empath, yeah. yes. It's got to be her. There's no one else in this episode. Uh, there's the time traveller whom you didn't think of because she's not explored at all in this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and does she even have any lines? Like, maybe one or two? She maybe says, hey, one. Grandma. <laughs> she, she is the... I think she, she may just go, what? When he reveals that they're related. Yeah, she is the archetypal diversity hire. She is ticking a box for this episode of Doctor Who. I just think it's it's a poorly written character because I'm yeah. sure they didn't have a particular casting choice in mind when he wrote it. But it's it's a character that is entirely devoid of character mm. yeah do you know what james purefoy turned up being like if i'm a descendant of who else is going to play a descendant of de gray scott <laughs> but me basically de gray scott and they're like james you were so close james purefoy cannot catch a break <laughs> pure james purefoy he's stuck in every waiting room right now <laughs> Uh, Due to a tragic time travel accident, he is splintered across all of eternity, <laughs> sitting in every, in every waiting, waiting room, room imaginable. <laughs> He's also done cool things. He was the bad guy in uh, The Following, uh, playing against Kevin Bacon. So uh, he's a cool dude. Yeah. And one of the two was in Day of the Triffids, the TV show. <laughs> that was the Grey Scott. Oh, was it? Okay, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> See, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Who can tell them? Anyway, Sorry. Jessica Rain, you might know from, or I, well, I knew from, An Adventure in Time and Space. No way. Yes, she and she plays Verity. Verity Lambert. Verity Lambert. Nice. Yes. Very nice. Yes, I know. Which, and we looked it up, and they were made in the same year, but I don't know which one came first. Really? Yeah. Well, that would have oh, been Oh, that makes 50th. sense, because it's super close to the 50th, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. would have been released. Really- yeah. Bonus episode? <gasps> yeah, I've never seen it, so... Oh, let's do it. Let's, oh, let's do we it. should. Oh, we let's should go. absolutely do that. Yeah. All right, bonus episode, Podcast Land. Awesome. That nice. and the other three Doctors, or whatever they're called. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 it's happened. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as soon as she came on screen, I immediately liked her, and I couldn't work out why, and then, yeah, realised that's why. Bingo. But I think that I like them both. I think they're a good pairing. I agree. I wrote down Dream Team. Oh, really? <laughs> Dream team. <laughs> like I was, I was so excited for it. Like from the cold open, I just thought this is going to be a fantastic episode because it's got such a strong. Yeah, the, the second Do Gray Scott show, I didn't yeah. recognize her from anything, but yeah. the second Do Gray Scott or Doug Gray, whatever, not James Purefoy, showed up on screen. I was like, oh wait, this is like a high caliber, recognizable actor. Yeah, this is going to be something special. Plus, oh man, the we said this, I guess two, three weeks ago when the last New Who episode dropped the. Next time on Doctor Who, mm. I don't think I have gone into an episode quite as hyped as uh, before as this oh, one. Because really? the trailer for this one was incredible. Yeah. Oh, because trailer cutting 
bod is. But you know, what? I wasn't disappointed. I was right not now. disappointed. Yeah, it's a good episode. Even though we've already talked me down a little bit. <laughs> I know. We've just slated it. I, I really enjoyed it while I was watching it. Yeah, Marie, yeah. Tell me some things you enjoyed about I, this episode. Well, I did enjoy it. What did I enjoy? I just really enjoy Doctor and Clara and all their little interactions. And I enjoy very much how terrified Clara is about most things. Mm. And yet she does them anyway. Oh, she's very brave in this one as well. She's she's super brave. Because that's the thing. Other companions have been like gung-ho and going into everything and like brave through like just lack of fear but she's terrified and does it anyway and does isn't that more brave yeah i guess so yeah. i don't know i feel like normal clara and flirty clara are two completely different people i yeah i agree yeah it's like i can't do it i'm too scared oh but if you flirt with me she is pretty flirty herself yeah yeah but i super, yeah, but I super like that about her. yeah yeah, yeah. I agree. I don't think she's northern what she do does want? that very well yeah and the doctor feeling slightly embarrassed by succumbing to those flirtations also wonderful yeah. like when he he puts his arm around her and doesn't even realize it until it's too late oh, oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was great good things other good things Come on, we need more than one. A line very close to the beginning when he they knock on the door. This is right after the ghost and everything. Knock on the door. The doctor pops up. He goes, uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I'm the doctor. Doctor what? No, if you like. Yeah, yeah. I wrote that one down. I, I also wrote that one yeah. down. <laughs> um, I liked nice toggle action. Oh, yes. Nice <laughs> noun. Excellent verb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. I also liked uh, when Doc was like, come over here. And Clara was like, no, I'm scared. I'm going to stay. And he was like, I'm giving you a face. And then he <laughs> gave her a face and he like motioned with it. And it was fantastic. <laughs> but what are the other two in the room thinking while these clowns are mugging away? That seemed very theatrical to me. Theatrical in the sense of let's just go over to this side of the stage and no one on that side of the stage can hear us even yeah. though we're in within earshot. Because, I mean, she comes up to him, there's like three or four steps, and they have what is ostensibly a private conversation, and I don't think that the other characters hear them. And we don't hear the other characters either. The empath doesn't need to hear them, she just understands everything. Oh, she's just there, like... She's just listening in. Yeah, exactly. She's Deanna Troy, she can sense what's going on on the planet's surface from up in the Starship Enterprise. danger, Captain. I sense pain. (laughs) (laughs) We may come back to TNG. (laughs) There was some intense eyebrow action. Leon was giving me a face, podcast land. (laughs) I'm giving you a face. Great radio. (laughs) Excellent. I liked the bit. There was a. There was a bit. I can't remember exactly. I only wrote half of it down. Um, (laughs) I guess there was a noise or something. I don't know. And and um, probably a noise that bore no relation to anything. Yeah, maybe it was a big banging. I don't know. And Clara banging. Sorry, I'm going to jump in with something (laughs) bad. When this, when they talked about the banging being like the devil Hail. himself, one you know, demanding ingress, whether it be your door or your orifice or whatever, just everything is under attack. And Doc and Clara are just standing in the house, and it's going bump, bump, bump. <laughs> it was not loud enough or scary enough. No, that but, was but the, you hear that any... was the bit. They, yeah, the banging came. Clara says, "What's making it?" And Doc says, "I don't know. Are you making it?" And then Doctor says, "I don't know. Are you making it?" And I just thought that was really sweet. It was sweet. It was it, sweet. Too. Is that the stop holding my hand scene? Yeah. Is that the one? That's also how many. I, I love that that came up. That's such a nod to like every horror film ever. Yeah. But wait, but so that's weird. Cronenberg. That's Cronenberg yeah. holding yeah, her hand. Which is a weird. Why is like Cronenberg they, holding her hand? They, can't, they had to put it in there for him to have this like moment of clarity at the end and go, oh, they weren't evil monsters. They just wanted love. But yeah, it was. 
why I don't know why does the, why does the monster hold Clara's hand? That's and what weird. does it hold her hand with? No, and how with does its it weird Cronenberg how, hand penis? How does it hold her hand? And then everybody look behind her and not just see the big evil monster. Like it's not. Yeah, it's, it's sort of behind a tapestry yeah. or something. But the hand wouldn't be. Clara's hand's not behind a tapestry. Yeah, they're just standing in front of a door. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, I didn't even think about this oh. when, when that scene came up because no, that is such a... It, it feels like a hammer horror thing to happen. Yeah. That's yeah. certainly a line that you've heard in tons of stuff. Yeah. Some, a line that you've heard in a lot of episodes of a show which Miriam compared this episode to, namely Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, she was like, this, wow. This, she said, oh, this looks like a Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it looked like Tooth and Claw, but, you know, whatever. Oh, yes. Big house in Scotland. Yeah, you're right. Very similar. I've got a question for you. Oh, yeah? Do you think Neil Cross is from Cumbria? <gasps> because last time he wrote an episode, Rings of a Carton, Clara was a like, carton. Carton. Clara was like, should we go to the Lark District? And the doctor's going, <laughs> oh, yes, I love the scones in the Lake District in mid-April. Oh, my goodness. We've got so much time to wax lyrical about <laughs> fuck all. And in this one... Marie? She says, um, what is the opposite of bliss? Carlisle? Yes, I wrote that down as well. Do we know anyone from Carlisle, perchance? Ooh. <laughs> I think we may. Someone who no longer lives in Carlisle, seemingly happily. Someone who <laughs> may have uh, hosted this episode on a few occasions. This podcast? Oh, this podcast, sorry. I hosted this episode. Hosted How many times have you done this episode? I'm stuck, I'm come, I'm stuck in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Rawmeister is from Carlisle. Yeah. But yeah, I wrote Ignorance down, is Carlisle. I wrote down, <laughs> is Jenna Coleman from Carlisle? Otherwise, this seems a bit mean. Um, and she's not. She's from Blackpool. So, mean Jen- Jenna Coleman. But yeah, but if Neil Cross is from Carlisle, maybe it's okay? Well, yeah, I mean, I'll defer to his apparently local knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask Rory the next time we see him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, a line that didn't quite land for me. Mm. Ghostbusters. We're Ghostbusters. Who said that? Uh, Clara says that immediately preceding the opening themes. Yeah, or the that, opening theme. That makes her the first female Ghostbuster. Three years before, Ghostbusters, now it's women doing it, or whatever it was called. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but please, people, don't email us about this stuff. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen the film. I don't know whether it was good or bad. <laughs> Answer the call. That's what it was called. Ghostbusters answer the call. That wasn't the film title. That was the tagline, maybe. Was it? I thought it was... Maybe it's probably the British title. I'm pretty sure it was... I think it's just Ghostbusters. Okay. Yeah, oh, it doesn't matter. But yeah, you're right. But that that was like... That was a zing that did not quite land. I thought it's... Knock, knock. You look like you've seen a ghost. Who are you? We're we're Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. (laughs) Um... I thought it set up another zing that didn't quite land, which is when the Doctor takes it a little too far and is like, It's ghost time. Oh... I think I think we were all supposed to be like, oh, this is brilliant. Please tell us more. And I was just like, oh, please. Um, I liked the first one because Clara said it, and therefore it was adorable. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like the second one. How dare you, Leon? How dare you? Sorry, <laughs> you're not from Blackpool. You don't know. Okay, can I ask uh, the high-level Doctor Who question that I was oh, going to ask before? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this. So, 
this is the second time, as far as I'm aware, maybe even third or fourth time, who knows, but second time that we've reviewed, anyway, an episode that features space and or interdimensional not-quite-ghosts. In the Dickens episode, I can't remember what it was called now. Anyone? Oh, that was super early. Yeah, I know. That's before my time. Mm. <laughs> Hang on. Wait, I'm going to whobackone.com, where I shall search for Dickens... To see if I can find it, it's called The Unquiet Dead, that's right. What a powerful website that must be. (laughs) (laughs) It's the third ever episode of uh, New Who. Uh, A mere 95 episodes ago. (laughs) Yes, exactly. There, there were these interdimensional beings that were mistaken for spirits or ghosts. In this one, there's an interdimensional slash intertemporal traveller who is mistaken for a ghost. We also have Army of Ghosts. Oh, yeah, you're right. Where it's the Cybermen. Where there are interdimensional Cybermen. Coming through the void. Mistaken for ghosts. Do you think we will ever get actual ghosts? No. I think that that's sort of half the, like, point of sci-fi is to take things, like, myths and legends and things that people have... Um, had no explanation for and to give them a scientific explanation i don't know if you believe in ghosts or you don't believe in ghosts but the, the if there are if there is such a thing as ghosts ghosts creep me the hell out but i don't know if i don't know if i believe in them or not but, but they terrify me if there is such a thing as ghosts as in it, there is it, it doesn't end with death and occasionally someone maybe stays behind yeah. or some part of their essence whatever lingers then surely that would be scientific because with the right instruments you would even be able to measure this phenomenon. Mm. So it is scientific in a sense that we just don't know yet. Yeah, we just don't have a transmundane seismograph. (laughs) I'm saying hypothetically, if you believe in this or if it it were to be the case. But since this is a sci-fi show, that could be the case. Mm. You could in this sci-fi show say, listen, we're not going to make a statement about whether there is an afterlife and if so, what it looks like, because that's where we get into really tricky territory. But we might say that there is such a thing as... A big old Satan. Oh, yeah, there's that as well. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we might say that there's such a thing as as a completely unexplained phenomenon pertaining to the afterlife. But I think if you you acknowledge that ghosts are real, then by default, aren't you acknowledging that there is an afterlife? Because if if the people that get trapped here become ghosts, then what happens to the people that don't get trapped here? They have to go... Well, they don't... Somewhere. No, necessarily. Maybe they just disappear. Maybe, like, uh, the the circumstances, the, the meteorological, electromagnetic circumstances are exactly right to coincidentally allow someone to stay a person. Otherwise, they just disperse and whatever. But we're going to get this in Death in Heaven told to us. Oh, like, really? Actually, yeah, everybody just stays where they are buried in their graves waiting for Missy or the Cybermen to come and take the bodies away from them. You know what? I forgot about that episode. So, but is that an regardless actual... of regardless of whether you know what you think about that, the show is not afraid to go there and put its stamp on that. I'd forgotten about that episode, but as I recall, that's a Missy plot as opposed to this is how the universe works. Ooh, like they maybe. wouldn't they wouldn't be stuck in yeah, this if she hadn't intervened because it's a computerized yeah. afterlife, right? That Missy and possibly in collaboration with the Cybermen that 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 she at least has constructed and planned. Okay. Because actually, yes, because at the end of Capaldi's run, he gets to see Bill and Clara and everyone, and their souls are systematically swept up, aren't they, by some race or organisation oh, yes, or whatever. Those crystal beings. So, regardless of Missy's plot, there is something hooked out of people at the moment of their expiration, um, but that isn't necessarily an afterlife, that is... 
something arranged by someone else. Okay, Open well, to revision, apparently. <laughs> okay, but so you don't think that there will ever be ghosts on this show? Because what I started thinking was basically X-Files. X-Files, which is super happy to... N- not that I want Doctor Who to turn into an X-Files-ish show, yeah. but X-Files is an example of a show that is super happy to do both phrases. Like, they, they do the myths as unexplained myths, yeah. and they do tons of sci-fi stuff, interdimensional yeah. stuff and time travel and aliens, predominantly aliens. But, I, I mean, they do both. So every time we've had like a, there's been a vampire or there's been a werewolf or a zombie or something, there's, there's always, always an explanation for it. Yeah, it's never right. what you. Yeah, exactly. That's but, true. But may I direct you back to a big old Satan? Oh. Because in that episode, anyway, that stands out as different because the doctor's like, yeah, I don't actually have an explanation for this. This goes he's back older. even further yeah. than, than I've ever been, even though he's been back to the beginning of the universe. Mm. Because, I mean, that's not strictly true if you mix it up with the rest of the doctor's travels but for that episode that is the stance that they give him yeah you're right so yeah it could definitely do that again and people would be like oh it's actually out of character but but no it's not yeah yeah i think so anyway cool (laughs) um on that sort of note Mm -hmm. he very readily accepts the empath as like this is a legit thing. Who, the doctor? Yeah. He's there to... Like he seeks he, her out. He's there to see her specifically. So they've basically, this show has legitimized that that's, that's a real thing. Yeah, That I people think... can read, not read minds, but read emotions. I think that's fine, frankly. I don't know if this is a thing out there in the world. I'm sure it is. I'm sure people are like, no, oh, I'm it, an empath. And... It is, because I Googled it straight away and there was all these like 12 signs that you're an empath and like all these little quizzes you can do. Oh, Marie, like, are you an empath? I didn't take any of them. <laughs> What wow. kind of empath are you? Take the new Cosmo test. Do you know what? If I stopped to think about that, I probably could have figured that out. So maybe I'm just a delayed reaction. Maybe you're an empath. <laughs> yeah. But like it, going beyond, like there are, there are people, obviously like the empaths exist that are people that are more in touch with their emotions and can read other people. But Is the, it basically having a high EQ, like being emotionally yeah. intelligent? Well, it is as we, as we understand it. canine. But, the, but how, she, like, how she was presented, it was something beyond. Like she can actually genuinely read thoughts and tell what emotion. It just seemed like a level above. It's hmm. bloody lucky then that she regards herself as in that line of work and she happens to be in the one spot where her powers can actually be of some use or facility. Are you saying saying she should use her empath powers for evil, Drew? No, I'm saying that if she hadn't stumbled across her great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter, Dugray Scott would have been like, well, we're getting nowhere, so why don't you just fuck off out of my life because (laughs) you're just wasting my time, you charlatan. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't say that because he's a gentleman. You know, he... (laughs) He'd, he'd, he'd flounce it up a bit. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. If the doctor knew that she was going to be there, and, I mean, he, he obviously knew he went there specifically to, to to seek her out because he knew that her powers were real. Yeah. Does that mean he knew about the time traveler and he knew everything else? He knew there would be someone in this building who may or may not have been a ghost, but he probably also knew the end of it? See, because it doesn't, throughout the thing, he doesn't act like he knows the end of it, but... As soon as they find her, he knows that he she's the great 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 granddaughter. Yeah, and he and he obviously knows this woman is an empath, and he knows that she's legit. So he's obviously looked her up and knows about her. And wouldn't that be in the footnotes to be like, oh, by the way, I brought my maybe I don't know. What is Dugray going to do after this, by the way? Is he going to write He's going to do grailing, is what he's going to do. He's going to do grailing. He's like, oh, we've got to get started on the first generation. He's going to live in the big old lovely non-haunted mansion. And then he's going to write a PhD on how he and his uh, future wife saved their offspring from an interdimensional gateway. 
But maybe they can't. Maybe they're like sworn to secrecy. Because he said to the... That's why the granddaughter couldn't go back. Because the history books have it that you disappeared. So you have to disappear. Oh, so she is actually stuck there now. Yeah. Well, she's stuck. Just she can't go back to her own time. It doesn't say she can't travel in around in other times. But she can't. It doesn't say that the Doctor and Clara can't drop her off somewhere far more fulfilling. Yeah. But they just don't show us any of that. Because then they'd have to give her a third line. And they also don't. I think. I mean, it seems as though they just go, here, you're a happy family now. Yeah. Just, just stay grow together. up in this 19th. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the Doctor's seen weirder families, Amy, Rory, River. So, I mean, this is <laughs> practically <laughs> standard. Quite normal, yeah. Um, <laughs> you have this, like, 20-odd 20 20 <laughs> daughter, <laughs> granddaughter. Anyway, uh, but yeah so, yeah, so maybe they couldn't write about her in her memoirs because otherwise that would solve the mystery of where she went. And then in her time, she wouldn't have gone missing and disappeared and for some reason that was important why why is that important so it doesn't create a paradox which by and large resolves themselves i did like that line i did like it as well (laughs) okay here's something i liked slash disliked oh the fact that the empath brings the it opens the gateway and uh, pulls in everyone else thanks to a metabolis 3 crystal that (gasps) is lovely don't you mean metabolis 3 oh i hated his pronunciation of that And that's not even Where do you that... summer, oh, Metabilis? It's always been referred to as Metabilis 3. It's not Metabilis 3. It's not a planet defined by everyone's metabolism. It's a, it's a, no. I live on Metabilis 5. I'm constantly eating. <laughs> I don't know why Strax is from Metabolis 5. Yeah, it's... Mm. But I mean, it someone not... hasn't been listening to The Eight Truths slash World Wide Web. <laughs> yeah, self-plug. Please mm. listen to our reviews of Eight Truths, World Wide Web, and Planet of Spiders. Where it's pronounced correctly in all three episodes. Correct. Anyway, it's a lovely <laughs> thing that there is a reference to that crystal here, because yeah. it ties it back to classic Who. They, that's, I mean, they don't explain it in any way, but and I kind of-ish remember that maybe the Doctor keeps one of the shards later on. He does, actually. He has one of the crystals in the audiobooks that we reviewed, right? So that'll be a crystal that he kept from the TV episodes that, uh, that Jim and I reviewed. Planet of the Spiders. Jim, Jim spotted for straight away. He said, "Ah, oh, oh yeah, bingo. Three. Yeah, that's super nice." Because yeah, because it? it would have completely gone over my head. I would have just thought it was a made-up thing. It's I just another like, oh, them, but go for, go to Gnarflex Delta. Yeah, exactly. You know? But it's a nice little nod. It's a super nice nod. Yeah. Here's the one thing I really disliked about that bit. Then there's like an extra little uh, crystal on the naffest looking <laughs> headgear. <gasps> no, what was that? The empath. What? The, where did that head? Wait, wait, wait. Tardis. What? So, oh, let me just cobble together some naff. Oh, yeah, the doctor's spray never painted, done that before. Gold spray pen- painted headgear with fake plastic bolts glued <laughs> onto it. That's his MO. That's in the TARDIS craft cupboard. Oh, it really, it looked like the doc had gone crazy with a hot glue gun. <laughs> oh, Amy Pond wanted him to go crazy channel. with his hot glue gun. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's such a good name for it. For dicks, I mean. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry, was Marie giving you a face? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't quite catch it because you've talked to every. <laughs> Sorry. Say Keep your, up, Marie. Say your thing again. I forgot what it was. Okay. Sorry. I'll I'll get it on the rerun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry for that. So I have a thing, mm-hmm. which is that at the first or second scene of Clara and Emma grading together, and she immediately goes in for the. So are you in the major shagging yeah. question? <laughs> it's like, A, personal, rude. B, retrograde, isn't it? 
I, I made a note about that particular scene because they cut between the conversation between um, uh, Dog Ray and the Doc and Clara and What's-Her-Face Grayling. And my note is, the men talk about killing, the women talk about the men. Massively stereotypical conversation. Talk about Herc, like, wait, you meet someone who is empathic to the point of being recruited to partake in, uh, in paranormal experiments. Are you not going to ask questions about that? Yeah. yeah. What have you got that I haven't? Go on, what am I thinking right now? <laughs> <laughs> Clara's just proven um, that she's just as good an empath because she knows how hot she is for Dugray. Oh, that's true. And then, uh, yeah, oh, and there's that lovely line. It's like, oh, no, he absolutely digs. He, he is told Smolotes uh, on board to take you to the bone zone. It stands out there. It stands out like a big chin. <laughs> well, no, I don't know. <laughs> oh, you didn't like that? I, I like that. I don't know if I liked it or not. Because it, it was obviously like a reference to the Doctor. And then it's yeah. like, oh, are you, are you comparing their relationship with your you and the Doctor's relationship? And then no, I think she's saying goes on the Doc say, wants to take her to... Take her for a chin work. Take Clara. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but then she's immediately she's like, no, there's nothing there. So oh. it doesn't. He's playing. She's playing a little hard to get, maybe. Oh, I don't know. I think while she's being like... incredibly flirty. No, you know what it is? She's just teasing him. She's constantly. Doesn't she do something similar with Capaldi as well? She said she's to Capaldi. She's like, oh, I've always had a thing for older men. Yeah, exactly. But then she doesn't. She yeah. absolutely doesn't. Well, maybe she does, but she has no ambitions to have a relationship with him it yeah. seems then she has a fantastic on-screen relationship with uh what's the face what's his mr. face pink. mr pink yeah i knew it was a color <laughs> was like, mr orange mr yellow? red mr yellow <laughs> mr pink okay um yeah and and he's not an older man no. he, yeah. yeah you're welcome whoever played mr pink <laughs> you looked great <laughs> and young yes <laughs> I thought one of the best uses of the empathy shtick in this episode was when the Doctor tried to explain empathy to Clara when she has loads of it and he has absolutely <laughs> zero. <laughs> and he's trying this logical, rational sort of circumlocution and she's just like, no, I get it. <laughs> you don't. <Aww>. Feelings, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, I this. don't need cue cards. <laughs> <laughs> On the note of he doesn't guess it, there's there's a little bit of talk in this episode about how everyone is a ghost to the Doctor and how mm. callous he is in referring to uh, and, and in witnessing and pretty much just disregarding the death of the Earth. I loved that scene. It's a beautiful scene, really yeah. Nice, yeah. How do you feel about that? The, doc like the Doctor's outlook on things. Sorry. Oh, the outlook. I was going to say that the scene is one of the strongest in oh, the I'm, episode. Yeah. It was re uh, really unexpected as well. Because we've seen it so much as well, you kind of you're used to flitting between like really old and really new and da da da, da and and he, it doesn't phase him at all, and it doesn't phase most of his companions at all. But Clara is quite relatively new, hmm. and so when she sees it all and is really shook by it, it kind of brings you up a little bit, and it's like, oh yeah, like we we should be like, that is a that is a really hard thing to watch. It's throughout the series, he, it, it, I mean, the show. He expresses a, a profound love of this planet yeah. and of its dominant species to then suddenly just go, yeah, yeah, that was the end of it. Whatever. I'm pragmatic about these. But he's seen the end of it before. He has. Yeah. But it, it, I was expecting him to at the very least add something like, uh, 
Yeah, but you don't understand. This is not the end. This mm. is just the maybe the end of chapter one of mankind. But you that's normally what he talks about. Yeah, exactly. mankind explore the universe and exactly. they colonize every planet and blah blah blah. And yeah, exactly. He hasn't told her that. So, so from she, her perspective, she's seen the Earth die. She's seen the end of humanity. But it doesn't. Yeah, she must be traumatized at this point. Yeah, because that's one of the very first episodes with Rose. She sees like the death of the earth but it's all like no humanity lives on go yeah. everywhere second episode yeah yeah the, the doctor the should have turned around to clara and say ah you know what the last human alive was a bitchy flap of skin <laughs> <laughs> so actually we're better off without you all <laughs> yeah okay so this episode is supposed to be scary right yeah. it starts off with the whole gothic hammer horror dealio of Thunder and lightning and wind and storms and banging doors and clammy hands and so on and so forth. Hey, yeah. Scary. Yeah. Scary, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very but scary. halfway through, I made a note, which is all the horror's gone out of the episode. What, what, when? Well, at the point where the Doctor is explaining, actually, you know what? She's just a time traveller mm. and we've still got 20 minutes to go. And then they had to sort of make the other monster scary. But I couldn't work myself up to feel either scared by something new or really to care what this thing was mm. like it, it there's a monster in the background okay that's it that's the concept the concept is it's a scary monster in the background you may not have seen this but i i know that you've seen this marie did you also think of stranger things in the forest <gasps> i didn't because it felt it, super, yeah. I, I was very scared by this drew seriously oh, yeah the okay. the other world which by the way looked awesome i thought yeah. it looked really cool especially like when he's on the edge yeah. and you, you pan out and it's this weird sort of dark city except it's a forest dark forest <laughs> it's the yeah it's the <laughs> yeah it's, the, it's in my notes name. it's in my notes oh, nice one that nice a one great name <laughs> I, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. Excellent. <laughs> it's in his notes. It's in his notes. <laughs> but I mean, it's a it's a fantastic thing. But it, that felt a little bit like the is it called the upside down? Yeah. And some creature is there, and it's just I, I something didn't... hungry like the wolf is out there. <laughs> well, before we know that it has a motivation and that it already is in some way connected to our world, there's this element of oh some we've just accidentally intruded in in its forest yeah and it's it's maybe it's scared maybe it's predatory and we when, have no idea and but when like, it's, it's hiding it doesn't look th so this is the thing that really bothered me about it is that doctor just immediately goes oh you're a scary monster i'm scared of you um and in every other situation we you find a scary monster and he goes and talks to it and goes oh you're not scared you're just misunderstood um, or you're on your own. Maybe you're the last of your kind. Like, there's always another explanation. Yeah. Ten Tenant goes up to the scariest things imaginable and just goes, "You're beautiful." Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Let's open a line of communication. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And he just never even attempts it, and that really bothered me because it just didn't seem very doctor. It's because he's a gross Cronenberg. Yes. <laughs> but the doctor hasn't disgusting. seen gross Cronenberg. He's he's just seen flashes and a bit of evil laughter. He's heard. Well, maybe he's. Uh, he must be a little shaken by the fact that he's been transposed into some weird, crazy, stormy forest. And I guess you've only forest. got three minutes until this entire universe collapses, so yeah. you haven't got much time to go and get the backstory. Yeah, like, I'd love creepy... to. I'd love to get to know you, but don't start a conversation because yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to have time to finish it. <laughs> hang on, yeah. hang on. So before he goes in there, do they say he only has three minutes? Yeah, because he's in do there they? for a solid twenty. <laughs> <laughs> But time time flows differently on our side of it. I don't think that works. I, I think to for that to be correct, they would have to say, yes, it's only three minutes in our time. But so this isn't fake and artificial and misleading to the audience. 
three minutes here is actually 20 minutes over there. And it's the same when... What's the Inception is? No, three minutes on the Pocket Universe was the entire span of the Earth in our universe. Oh, yes. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. Because this really stressed me out as well when they were pleading with um, the empath to go back in and they're like, oh, you need to go and save the Doctor. It's like, she can save him next week. He's still there. He's fractionally moved. Like... Because this is why all the photos so of the ghosts were in the same position. Yeah. Well, well, then don't bring up the three minutes because there is no time constraint. It's, no. it's the same when the TARDIS says, in four seconds, all my power will have drained and I'll be stranded. And in 10 seconds, I'll be dead. And I actually counted. It's, it's in the pocket universe for a full 18 seconds. Mm. And it doesn't even blip. You know, it's flying no. around with the same vim and vigor with which it entered. And so there are two fake out fake countdowns in this episode yeah. and neither of them, you know, are uh, actually yeah, have any dramatic then. stakes. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the Clara and the TARDIS? I was confused as to why she thought the TARDIS was such a cow for presenting herself to her. When the TARDIS chooses a mirror image of Clara oh, as the visual interface okay. and it says it out just- of millions of people who you've seen this meets the criterion and it doesn't say what it, the criterion the criteria is. was who you respect or something yeah the, I mean the TARDIS is basically it feels going, very narcissistic yeah, yeah I've read your brain waves and it turns out you're a massive B word yeah I know, I know that's what the scene was intimating but I, I feel like it could have been clearer Clara should have been clearer I got it the two Claras in the clearing should have been clearer. <laughs> Maybe you just weren't paying attention, Drew. I watched that scene twice. <laughs> because yeah. I was confused by this. Um, but whatever. Yeah, I, t- I took it to be it was calling her a bit narcissistic, basically. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, that's I, all there was to it. It's quite nice that the, the TARDIS takes sort of a, a stand. The, the TARDIS clearly judges her uh, to begin with. But the fact that Clara then, despite having been rather narcissistic, despite having been rather rude and, and uh, bringing a wet umbrella into the TARDIS and all that I? stuff, then clearly wants to save the Doctor and the TARDIS lets her in and now they're sort of, now they're friends, I think. Can I just say, if anyone was narcissistic, mm. did we not think maybe Amy Pond deserved the, like, TARDIS's scorn more than Clara does? <laughs> yeah, how yeah. unfair. <laughs> Leave Clara alone. Poor Clara. Yeah, that's that's totally true. Tardis loves Amy. Amy Pond Pond was awful. She was terrible. Absolute, just a bad human being. (laughs) And you know what? Clara Clara is the best at arguments because she just goes, all I'm hearing is meh, 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 meh. And that's good enough for me. That's true. Are you you a fan of Clara? I'm not a fan of this episode. Let's leave it at that. Are you a fan of Clara's? I... I was at the time. I, I More or less after this episode. This is just a blip. Oh, this okay. is a bad episode. Oh no, I started oh, out saying it was great. It was super no, good. Yes, really. no. All right, but Join us. I'm, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting into Drew's mindset. This was a bad episode, but the things that were good in this episode, didn't they have something to do with Clara? <laughs> oh, Clara was definitely in the top 10 things of this episode. She's a, I, think, I think she's in the best scene. I don't care what you guys say. I really <laughs> like this episode. <laughs> It the had mon- massive flaws, but it was still still good. The monster, by the way, is officially known as the Crooked Man. The no. Crooked Man? That's when it's in the credits. No. I think that's very rude. No. I don't like that. No. that No. Yeah, that's... No. That's a rubbish name. Yeah. And it's not... It's not, it's not in any way, shape, is he a Crooked Man? <sighs> yeah, I think that's... I th- Do a bit of naming, I guys. think that's offensive. Yeah. I am offended on the part of the Cronenberg sex monster... <laughs> To be referred to as the crooked man. That implies deformity. That implies... Yeah. And also, it's comparing it to a, a, a human. No, it's, it's its own thing. 
Yes, he it, he's differently beautiful. Yeah. Well, why not? Why not? Yeah. Ugh. I mean, clearly not Lady Other Cronenberger thinks so. Inside she, the Cronenberg. Well, is she then? Her spe- she's a crooked man as well. Or he. Or he. Or he. They're, maybe they're an entirely genderless species yeah. and, and calling them he and she is uh, entirely redundant. I mm. looked on TARDIS wiki, sorry, fandom. Whatever. Fandom, yeah. To, uh, I, I saw that today as well. <laughs> is it Time Core or something like that? It's uh, called uh, the TARDIS Time Core. Who cares? Oh, whatever. Anyway, and it said, origin of crooked man, crooked world. <laughs> other, other notable, you know, crooked people. Crooked man's mate. Oh. That's the level of writing that went into this episode. Oh. That's fine. That's fine. Is it? Why? Why? You know what? I'm happy with the Cronenbergs not being overly developed. I am super disappointed that the time traveler is not yeah. better developed. Yeah. Because if we over, if if they had taken the time to develop the the Cronenbergs more, then they would have ceased to be scary. The fact that we don't know what they are renders them unknown monsters. You know, like it's something that is potentially out to get the Doctor. Yes, but that the very flatness of that concept is why I couldn't be bothered to be scared. Because if they don't develop it at all, then there's nothing to fear from their motivation. That our fears of their motivation turn out to be misplaced anyway. Because even before before he knew that he had a mate on Earth, he knew that he wanted to piggyback to our universe. Wait, I have it. Oh, Did he? but but that's yeah. in a, perhaps a similar way to when House wanted to piggyback in in the Doctor's wife. So I can get why he'd be wary of that. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Wait, that's why I was thinking: is why do you assume this universe is going to collapse in three minutes? There's a living three minutes in our time, sentient. hundreds of years in their time. No, the other way no, around. The other way around. The other way around. Yeah. Well, then why is he there for twenty minutes? We've been through this. Wait, hang on. Ooh, it, I missed that that planet or that world was going to collapse. Yeah, is that actually gonna the case? It's going to cease to be. It's a pocket universe, and it's yeah. going to he, burst. He, he comes running up against the crumbling edge at one point and has to back away. So shouldn't he be saying, "Oh, there's another living sentient being here. I should save you," rather than being like, "Oh, you want to piggyback on me? No, fuck you." Um, he should be <laughs> trying to save him. You don't. Why would you assume that his intentions are? Uh, uh, not Intentions are good. Just, mm. I just want to be don't alive, <laughs> please. Please, please don't, don't let Sex Cronenberg Monster be misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in any other episode, he would be trying to save him or her as well. So what the Cronenbergs, he does in the end. He... No, but only after he realises, oh, he wasn't all out to kill us. That's tr- that is true, yeah. After did. another few precious seconds have gone by in Cronenberg world. So is... No, zero seconds. Like, point zero nothing seconds of a second. Now, yeah, are okay. the Cronenbergs from this other universe? Don't know. Maybe. I, I mean, it, it might be that there are only two... This is a universe of Cronenbergs, and there are only two of them left, because it has been... Shrinking, yeah, and this exactly. is just the last little... But they pans out, and it's in space. Does that mean that only this one planet is decreasing in size? Could you travel around that universe and find another planet? Because it takes... No, it takes no, this is, this is all that's left of that pocket universe. How it is illuminated how by you, what pocket sun, they, I don't know. They zoom out and there's infinite space around. It's not like they zoom out and, and there's just like white light or something. Like, you know, it, it's not, oh, I've erased everything. I assume that were the universe to collapse, the Doctor would just be held in stasis in the white light impotently looking at the rim of our universe in space, oh. whatever. <laughs> Being like, oh, I'm so close, but I got nowhere and I'm dead. I see. And then the empath could say that someone was dead. She isn't an empath. She's rubbish. She is rubbish. She's making it all up. 
You know what? I'm I'm looking at uh, I'm going through screenshots because I wanted to find one of those zoom outs of the planets and. Actually, the, the quote, crooked man, there are some seriously humanoid features uh, really? in the face. Yeah, he's got a twisted yeah. skull and everything. Yeah, yeah that, that, that looks like... It, it looks... I mean, I don't, I, crooked isn't human, the first actually. word that comes to mind. I mean, it's, got a, it's got a mouth with teeth, it's got two yeah. eyes and a nose. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly model. Uh, whatever. Um, Basically, there was a fire in the warehouse and they thought, oh, we've lost everything. Hang on. This stuff that's melted together, we could, we could, we could use this. Do you know what? I have a thing about bloodlines. Okay. Star Wars is all bloodlines. I'm the son of this. I'm the dad of that. Whatever. And yeah. now in this, basically, this episode is saying to all adopted children, never mind the cultural intergenerational transmission. That's not what binds you to your parents. It's just your genetics, and that's the basis of your empathic link. Oh yeah, he does. He does the whole like, oh, the power of blood. Yeah. Or something. A force like a flood. Yeah, all that. Yeah, that's a bit. Yeah, okay, maybe that's not entirely well thought through. <laughs> it's it's a little nitpick, but some people I'm sure will have picked uh, up on after it. After what? Also, like, which year did she travel from? Was it not the year three thousand something? I'm gonna say, how diluted is that? Blood? Exactly. Yeah. They have nothing uh, in this, common anymore. This way back, it's the same as like we're all related to like Genghis Khan or whatever. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, <laughs> yeah. Should be feeding. yeah. <laughs> he should be gulping down the doctor's pasta and then halfway through a big mouthful suddenly stop short and be like, someone needs help. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. You are the only mystery worth solving. I wrote it down too. Is that Mankind or is that Clara? That's exactly what I wrote down. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Make it three. The human oh. race. Oh. <laughs> I think it's both. Oh, yay. <laughs> is it both? I don't know. What do you think, Drew? I, I well, I mean, they've left it open, haven't they, for us to have a, well, a generative yeah, I discussion? I was yeah, because I was going to discuss which one it was. But if all three of us wrote the same thing, then it has to be both. It might be deliberately ambiguous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he definitely wants her to think it's that, that it's her. No, no, that, no, no. That he means the human race. But really, oh, really? Me- well, yeah. this is the thing. When he said it, I was more leaning. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. He thinks it's the, it's the human race, but then. By the end of the episode, we'd realised that he only went there to solve the mystery of Clara. I was like, no, okay, it's Clara. This is all. This is his focus now. Is just finding out who she is. Yeah, you know but if she re- knew that, she'd get really suspicious and yeah. stop flirting, and yeah, then she'd never true. do anything. That's true. That's true. That's true. However, how dumb is that? I mean, it, not not her side of it. His side of it. If he needs to find an empath, if all of this is just in order to solve this one mystery, and all he needs is an empath, why go to this fucking haunted house? <laughs> <laughs> With the Cronenberg in the attic, like, just go somewhere where there's an empath, like literally in a tent with a sign outside going, hi, empath, $5. $5. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when you've got a house full of psychopaths and all you need is an empath. Because they're all frauds. <laughs> like, this is a legitimate one and he had to see her in action to know that she was legit. Oh, that's... Oh, I'm... I, no, I don't, I'm I don't making that it. up. I don't not, buy it. No, I, I don't buy it either. <laughs> I just feel like... I just He just put so much... Um, stuck in this empath and he goes what is she it's like she's a girl does, it, does she say she's a girl yeah she's a completely normal woman human person yeah I ordinary don't know what girl ordinary, ordinary girl okay girl. Pers- yeah. completely ordinary girl quite pretty weirdly over flirty but otherwise ordinary it's like what do you expect so- what do you expect an empath to tell you like She's not. Take her to a. <laughs> take 
it to a zoologist or something. Like, Did, is she human? I don't know. Get like an AI to analyze. You know what? Yes. Get the TARDIS to <gasps> analyze. Are the, the, t- the TARDIS can do some awesome scans. Do that. Yeah. Do that. The TARDIS just keeps saying she's these she's two rubbish. different people. Throw her out. That too. What? what Wait, that's two when, does, when does the TARDIS say that she's two different people? Earlier in this series, I don't, I don't know whether it's Bells of St. John or Carlton Cold War, the Doctor is looking at a screen and it shows Magna Clara, yeah. the original Clara. Yeah, Magna Clara. Yep, that's her name now. Yeah. Who came up with this Clara Prime stuff? It's Magna Clara. <laughs> Magna Clara, I, I much prefer it. <laughs> <laughs> and then it also cuts back to Souffle making Dalek TARDIS, uh, Dalek Clara. Mm. Dalek Clara, yeah. Yeah, and, and, he, and he says, no, no, she can't be both. And the TARDIS just stubbornly repeats the sequence to be like I'm afraid she is <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant I don't remember that okay so don't ask the TARDIS to analyze her find someone else there must be an empath who isn't stuck in a haunted house save the haunted house for another time is all I'm saying like, or, like go to the haunted house for the haunted house's sake you're missing out on a massive adventure if you're going there and all you want is just to ask someone if they think your companion's pretty oh but isn't she a good companion I mean it's Clara mm. I'm not being entirely facetious. I do kind of like Clara. She actually. is a good companion. She is a good companion. That yeah. was a nice She's moment. super flirty as well. What's wrong, what's wrong with flirting? No, 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 no. I didn't say flirting but, I said as well. Yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> flirting keeps it interesting. Agreed. So I've got a question. Uh-huh. Hyla Takorian is back in, in space. Let's call it that. Hyla Takorian, I presume. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the TARDIS is picking up the doctor, whatever. But Emma is still strapped in and she's still sort of screaming and being empathic. Why is she doing that if she only had a link to her great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter and she doesn't need to be a lantern for the TARDIS anyway? But it seems as though she's she's the one opening this gateway, right? Well, she's setting up the Echo House... But the TARDIS swoops in. The Doctor grabs onto that, but completely the, ignores the house. The TARDIS fucks off in its own direction, comes back that way. and so Clara I, saves the day. The empath is trying, but she's weak and we don't know whether she'll be able to. So Clara swoops in and the time where it's not okay is when they do it all again for the monster right at the end. Because they do, they double whammy again. Yeah, but they do that Clara also. The empath and the TARDIS. Yeah, but that's also with Grayling's help. I got the impression that Grayling opens, she like poltergeists the doorway and then they take the TARDIS through that doorway. Never mind the wormhole. That's what I mean. Sorry. No, they <laughs> yeah. ignore the wormhole. No, no, it's so, too small. The TARDIS can't fit. Yeah, okay, but I mean, the doorway, which is now de facto the wormhole, and uh, yeah, yeah, ex- sorry, yeah, you mean the disc thing. Yeah, yeah. ignore the disc, because I don't, <laughs> I think the disc is just bullshit that was written in, maybe expanded upon, deleted, and they forgot to delete all but, of it. But Clara and the TARDIS were outside the house, and they're having the experiment inside, Okay, and, but and they fly in, fr- they, they don't come into the... I don't mean the doorway. Yeah, but they don't necessarily need to go because it's bigger than the doorway it's a physical anyway. Doorway. It's yeah, a, exactly. It's a metaphorical. Yeah, it's like a, she uses the metabilis uh, crystal and the nafest headgear in Hoovian history. I love it. To it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, no, Nicholas Tibbles. To sort of make the the border between dimensions less opaque. More and, porous. And that then yes. allows, yeah, that okay. then allows the TARDIS to travel to other dimensions, right? Because maybe, maybe it allows the TARDIS to stay there for more than 10 seconds without disintegrating. Maybe. 
When else has the TARDIS travelled to another dimension? There's the Cyberman thing with Rose and her dad. But it really struggles to... Does it? No. How does it even get there? I don't even remember how it gets there. When it arrives in that universe, it's dead, all apart from one tiny crystal that the Doctor gives 10 years of his life to bring back to life. You're right, yeah. Okay, so so maybe this is what she does then. Maybe, none of that's explained. Freaking well done. (laughs) (laughs) This is teamwork Sherlocking the crap out of this episode. You're welcome, what's your face, Neil Cross. This work should have been put in in 2013 rather than by us now. We should write Doctor Who. We should write more Doctor We should write more Doctor Yes, more. (laughs) Oh, the scene that I really, really loved, actually, is when... um, So, we've just rescued Granddaughter from the forest and Empath is really, really tired and so she can't hold the link open anymore. And so she breaks the link and for a brief moment, the Doctor is still in the house and then he steps forward and the house disappears and he's back in the forest again and it's all silent it's really really quiet it's oh that's such, silence such a good scene yeah really nice yeah it's a fantastic that footstep is incredible yeah just that you're just poised just waiting yeah oh it is a really well crafted episode yeah. in very many ways yeah okay so the silence falls and that's great i'm not disputing that why do you then bring the cloister bell into the cloister bell is the tardis knowing that i made a note of that as well because i want to ask you about it really <laughs> but is it possibly that the that the cloister bell senses that the doctor is in danger He's but, always in danger. <laughs> yeah, but could it be... Like, Imminent danger, could, could it be that the the TARDIS knows, it senses that the Doctor is now in this other dimension, which it can't get to necessarily, or it can only get there for a very, very brief period of time. So it goes, alarm, 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 seriously. Like, th- this is, you need to pay attention right now because I'm going to lose my friend. Yeah, and a few minutes from now, refuse to go and save same friend. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. I can get how that could possibly cause a universe-ending paradox, or at least a show-ending paradox, not just because the Doctor dies, but because Clara can then not split up into all these other forms of Clara that the Doctor's already met. So that would be a paradox that, by and large, wouldn't resolve itself, and I get why the TARDIS ring in the situation. Maybe. When was the last time the cloister bells rang? I think it might have been... uh, What's the... Oh, everything's... Oh, it's the Pandoric episode, isn't it? Where... Not the Wedding of River Song, where all of time is happening at once. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I was going to say when the universe is about to end, part two of that Pandorica double. Bing bong, the universe is dead. That's the one. Yeah. Bing bong and part two, the universe is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I actually did a retro rewrite that I forgot about, which takes into account the TARDIS shouldn't be in the other universe for more than four seconds. And... Clara and Emma just seem to be working completely independently, which was why didn't Clara tell everyone her plan? Emma yells into the pocket universe that the Doctor has a sensible number, but still a low number of seconds to make his escape, and then his grabbing onto the outside can still happen with enough of a rush, and it's all Mm. exciting, but it actually makes sense. Yeah, I I like that. So why didn't that happen? Here's another alternative. Why does the Doctor go, here, you hold on to the rope, I'll wait, and then you ferry the rope back? Why doesn't he... both grab yeah. onto the yeah. rope. Hold onto the rope, guys. You're like, always the... swinging into a, through a doorway into another room. You're not going far. Yeah, what's the problem? You, literally, yeah, you just have to hang from this rope. For like half a second. Yeah, yeah. get Dougree and or Purefoy to freaking winch you upstairs again. Yeah, Dougree's been a saboteur behind enemy lines. He's got all sorts of reserves of, of power and ingenuity. Exactly. Do you know... 
that's one thing. Uh, there's a constant reference to how heroic and brave and awesome he's been um, in the past. And or yet, shitty. He do- or shitty. Um, he doesn't hugely do a lot in this episode. Do you know what? That's an excellent point. <laughs> yeah, he's like the most subdued, tweed-wearing yeah. <laughs> librarian. Not at all James Bond, as yeah. he's made out to be. Yeah, understated anguish is all very well when you have a dark history that you're trying to conceal. But when it comes to actually doing anything, <laughs> not so much. I've got another bad point. Okay. Where Emma Grayling asks Matt Smith, is this going to hurt? And the doctor says, no. Actually, yes. Probably a lot. It might be agony. And this is all very Smith-like. But it seems, like a, bit, it seems a bit flippant and careless, mm. even for him. It's like, you're an empath, so you're uniquely attuned to feeling pain. And this might be the worst pain you've ever felt, but hey-ho, whatever. Suck it up. I mean, I know he hasn't got any empathy, and that's the point of this episode, but does he have to be quite so far that way? I like that little line, though. The, just the, Maybe it's just the structure of the line that, oh, I don't know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Actually, you know what, I have absolutely no idea. It might be a completely different thing. I, I like that. That's, that's a nicely written line. I would have accepted that line if there had been a pickup glance between Emma and Clara recalling the sliver of ice comment. And Clara oh. had been like, oh, actually, yeah, he is a bit of a knob. Oh, this, yes, because the sliver of ice comment was a bit, came out of nowhere, and why can't she trust the doctor? Because and... he's a piece of shit, that's why. <laughs> well. he, I mean, he is the best piece of shit, but he is nonetheless... <laughs> He's a bastard. But is that is that the is that the him being cold and callous about the end of the about everything world? Or? Like people are yeah. slightly disposable mm. to him, which Clara has already picked up on. <laughs> you love her. No. <laughs> Wait, am I as annoying as Drew was when he was in love with Donna? Not no, at all. No, oh, no, not at all. Good. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> also, your opinion is, I mean, at least in part, justified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've snapped right back you know you modified your position slightly and now you've just reverted no she had her moments uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah yeah <laughs> few and far between but she did have them <laughs> anyone else got any points let's jump into ratings no 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 i've got more points Damn. Got one more point okay, okay one more point one you more get point. one more point the doctor says it's not a ghost story it's scary encounter at far point should it be wait, called scary and po- encounter wait, at far he point he says that no, I uh, said that. Oh, God. I was like, what? <laughs> I, I missed that. I missed he that. says it's a love story because mm. there are the, there's an alien and they don't realize that actually the source of all these problems is its mates is calling out to it from the planet's surface in TNG or the, our universe in this one. And I just saw that trope and I was like, oh, please. We've had that before, right? Oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, just when they when they say everything ends, but not love. And then this is the, the granddaughter coming back is proof that like, look, see, love love is still around. Um, but it only, love only doesn't end if you have children. Because then your children, like the next generation are off to fall in love and have children and da 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 da. And so if you're barren, then love does end. Oh, yeah. In your dry womb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good grief. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sorry. So you you were going to ask, Leon, when else have we had this on Doctor Who? Yeah, well, we haven't had it. Well, we may have had it before as well, and I can't think of it. I haven't seen it in classic, but we are going to have something similar, I think, in time 
time heist? You yeah, mean time heist. you mean Ocean's Encounter at Farpoint? The, the oh, oh yes, yes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Okay. Uh, so uh, in in time heist, there is that creature that has the the eyes shaped like horns. And it sucks your brain out. So you have all those people with concave skulls. Marie is going, what? <laughs> do you remember Time Time Heist is a really yeah, good Leon, Leon, Leon. Do you want to tell her or should I? Oh. Is it next? Is it next week? No, 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 it, no. It's, oh. it's called The Teller. Uh, it was a pun. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> oh, Drew. I'd forgotten that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, it, there's there's this creature that they use to basically mind wipe anyone who tries to break into this vault or this mm. bank or whatever it is. And it, it, I think I do vaguely remember. It's yeah. presented as this rather evil beast yeah. that they use as sort of a guard dog, but it's evil, right? Because it's sucking people's brains out. But actually, they've kidnapped its mate and they've stored it inside a vault. And oh. it also, spoiler alert, it also like halfway through or three quarters uh, of the way through the episode is like oh actually good intentions he's he's just doing this because he wants he wants to they get back together good intentions. and i like think we even get to see them on a fucking meadow in the end <laughs> just like <laughs> oh, i think you were right they're yeah. like oh yes oh, they do. we're in the concave brain me- <laughs> land now this is wonderful uh, i and you know that's a massive it's a massive trope right yeah uh, and it made but me think fine. of the Van uh, Gogh episode where it, there's like a big scary monster that's killing everything and then it just turns out to be a harmless old blind. And that's uh, not a love thing. Yeah, there's not a love thing, but you're right. It's, yeah, you're right. Like, oh, it, it didn't mean any harm. No, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I thought you were going to go like, oh, yeah, actually, it turns out it was in love with this <laughs> this, this rooster that yeah, lives out remember? back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just wants to exact revenge <laughs> for all those roast chicken dinners. Oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Right, uh, ratings? Let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. La. Okay, you go first, and we're going to guess your rating before. Oh, really? Yeah, we're going to turn this around. Is this uh, low twos, high twos, low threes, high threes, low fours, high fours? He began with low twos. Yeah, I know, which is lower than I expected him to start with, because he said he liked it. We argued him down. 2.2. 2.8. <gasps> Okay. There are a number of pros and a number of cons to this one. I should really say up front, I really, really enjoyed this episode when I watched it last night. And I gave it a rating last night, which is way higher than the rating that I'm about to give it. <laughs> the cast is, is excellent. I mean, by and large, it's excellent. Dugray and or Purefoy, I like him. The characters themselves, they could do with some beefing up, though. I mean, we get to meet Dugray, Purefoy... But we don't really get to meet anyone else. Grayling is characterized only by this one ability that she has, this this ESP or this uh, being an empath. But aside from that, we know nothing about her. I, I don't remember learning anything about her background. Like, what, what, what does she do? What does she want except him? And she'll eventually prove fertile. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so that only leaves Doc and Clara. They are a dream team for me mm. in this one. They have brilliant chemistry. Clara really gets an opportunity to shine in them, I feel, because of the separation from the dog. It has that nice little nod to the classics with uh, Met- Metabolist 3, ugh, for which I have to bump up the score a little bit. But then overall, it's these overarching themes and the ambience that really sell it and they're kind of cemented in popular culture. We have like hints of 
the haunting was the first thing that I thought of when he's there, like conducting his experiments. And then I realized actually the haunting is like someone else conducting experiments and inviting well, people in. You say that the haunting is based on a book, The Haunting of Hill House, which Neil Cross was inspired by to write this episode. Oh, bingo. Well, there you go. Already mentioned Stranger Things, that other alternative universe. Stranger Things hadn't been made yet when this came out, mm. right? But that's an aesthetic that appeals to us now. So, yeah, rewatching this old episode now really appeals to me. And then in terms of all the time travel, I'm going to go ahead and say nonsense. Um, <laughs> that made me think of, you won't know this one either, I'm, I'm afraid, Drew, but you will know this one, Marie, Star Trek Discovery. Oh, yeah. And really the parallel there for me, aside from the fact that, oh, there's some uh, spoilers for Star Trek Discovery. I'm not going to spoil it massively, <laughs> but, uh, oh, there might be someone who's traveling around in 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 time. Oh, fuck. Or people who want to... St- <laughs> Yeah. Uh, have you seen the trailer there for Star Trek? There may or may not be, uh, yeah. allegedly. Yeah, you know what? Don't watch the trailer for Star Trek Discovery if you don't want to be spoiled. Uh, it, but it, but the thing that both Star Trek Discovery uh, Season 3 <laughs> and the time travel element of this episode have in common is that it is so dumb. Like It, it makes no sense and has not been cemented at all and is only there to just drag down any conceivable rating you want to give either <laughs> show so uh, so for that reason I'm, I'm voting it down again however um, yeah any, anyway anyway so it, it, last negative point is that the doc's ulterior motive really perplexes me the, the fact that he mm. he does all of this only to not get an answer or, or gain any further clarity by Clara is mind-boggling so down for all of that up for it still being very entertaining quite creepy at times beautiful most of the time in fact having incredible ambience and, and good chemistry i'm gonna give this what am i gonna give this 2.7 uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm giving this a 3.4 <laughs> wow yeah, yeah. yeah. 3.4 yes <laughs> 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 All right. I want to go next, Drew. Fine, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I care. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, whew, that was right. a review to follow. Shall we um, guess what you're going to give this as well? Then? Okay. <laughs> Drew, what do you think? Uh, I think it's going to be a, a 3.1. Oh, really? I think it's going to be a high twos. I'm going to say 2.7 or 2.8, and most of that is for Clara. Well, I'll I'll give you that. A lot of it is for Clara. <laughs> okay. Um, because as you were talking, I was I remembered another Clara moment that I liked. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to remember them all at once when I there are so many. I know. Mainly, basically, everything I wrote down was like Clara said this, and Clara did this, and Clara's great. No, no, I watched it. I, I saw I saw other people. However, no, there was a point when we thought we'd lost the Doctor for good. And Clara comes into her own and she is like, no, no, we will go and find him. We will, anywhere we can, we will rescue. Because at that point, she's kind of stepped in the background and she's been a bit scared and she doesn't know what to do. And she's just waiting for someone else to tell her what to do. And then as soon as she's needed, she steps up to the plate. Like she does do what's wrong of her and she does. Yeah, she's. Anyway. There were a lot of um, really, just really sweet moments, really funny little lines that we didn't always get around to saying. Something, I, I write very half-assed lines down and they don't always make sense and, and there's no context. But anyway, something magnifies your abilities, like a pooper scooper. <laughs> oh, yes. That was a great line. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Oh, maybe it, was, it must have been the head thing. Yeah, it might have been the crystal yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, things like that. <laughs> um <laughs> the um how do sharks make love 
carefully. Yeah. That's a nice one. I feel like that's a joke in yeah, common I, circulation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Def- uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, definitely. I have heard that before. Maybe they invented it. Did you hear it before 2013? I don't know. I don't think they invented it. <laughs> but but it, that's a nice scene nonetheless. Yeah. It, it is really a nice yeah. scene. Yeah. And that's the thing is that all of the little interactions between Doc and Clara are really nice. Mm. And I enjoyed them very much. And everything that Leon just said about the ambiance and the foresty stuff. And I didn't actually sort of twig the Stranger Things analogy until you said it but now that I've seen it I'm Star Trek Discovery right? Yeah, and the, yeah yeah spoilers for Star Trek Discovery which is dumb yeah but I know because when you were like <laughs> now I'll never watch it yeah when he's like oh it's like Star Trek Discovery I was like oh great yeah he's gonna say some good things about Discovery Discovery is <laughs> awesome like watch Discovery it's really really good it's super entertaining and yeah. it's very well made and it's ignore, absolutely idiotic ignore Leon <laughs> Leon doesn't know what he's talking about I loved it it's dumb <laughs> Oh no, because <laughs> that was the thing that really bugged me about watching this episode back was I'd totally remembered the twist at the end of like, oh, they're good aliens and they're just in love. Okay. And so it didn't, they didn't scare me this time. Um, and I think that's why it bothered me so much that the doctor investigated at all. He was just like, oh, terrifying monsters. Um, and so I like, I wasn't terrified by them, but I can't remember, I can't remember the first time around whether I was terrified by them or not and the forest is very nice and everything's very nice and i enjoyed myself very much and i would watch it again so i'm gonna give it a 3.3 3.3 An yes. unrepentant 3.3 <laughs> well done well done thanks you were shocked by my 3.4 well just because i really loved it. i super loved it and you went higher than me so oh, okay go on andrew give okay here best. i go Giving it, it's going to give it like a wait, zero. Wait, wait, what do you, no, no, wait, no, no, what do you no, think? No, 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 no. I'm not having you two disappear up my ass. I'm just going to get on with this. <laughs> <laughs> Experience makes lies of us all. Who we are, what we've done, how wet my knickers are right now. I better attend to my equipment before anyone toggles something they shouldn't. <laughs> That's my last retro rewrite for this episode. There is another thing that bothers me, which I forgot to mention, which is that we have this good scene where the doc... Shows Clara the entirety of the Earth's life cycle, and she gets to have that dramatic moment that follows. But why is she there at all when, as he says, you can't do anything, you can't come out with me, actually, you can't move at all. Just stay there, try not to breathe too heavily. Your presence in this whole segment is entirely redundant. Except it's not because she had to be there pointlessly to set up the good scene that then followed. And it's things like that that just drive me crazy about this episode. I am once again cross with Neil Cross. Because because the Doctor likes an audience. He wouldn't get any anything from it if he did it on his own. He needs someone to watch him and tell him how clever he is. Well, we could do that. We're his audience. <laughs> I would tell Neil Cross he was clever, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I did like that his motivation for turning up wasn't addressed initially, because he couldn't just be ghost hunting. I mean, it was one of those slights of hand-waving where the writers are actually delaying a reveal until the time it may be best deployed. But in every other respect, this episode does the exact opposite and prioritises enjoyment of the moment over everything else, which is not negligible. Enjoying the moment, enjoying it as we watch it, I, I get that, I get your high ratings, but I just think there are too many unanswered questions. And, and too many dead links and misleads. Um, compare this to Knock Knock. 
another Doctor Who scary house story. And I think it comes off second best in the complexity, the atmosphere, the acting, David Suchet, the scares, the emotional punch, the logic, and the originality. And after Cold War's claustrophobia last week, I can't help feeling like this is again a small episode, but this time with added cheapness. I think I like it better than that, but not much. 2.4. That is much higher than I would have guessed. You have a huge heart, Drew. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you do, buddy. (laughs) When I was doing my rating, I totally forgot that we'd spent an hour slagging it off. Um, We did... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you just, Clara just flooded back into your memory. Yeah. You're like, oh, someone reminded three. me of Clara, and all, all sense goes out the window. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> In love. <laughs> Listener minis? Let's. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. The Todd's vodka. No, Time Lord vodka is here. <laughs> I'll show you. The, uh, remind me to show you the the logo for the bottle. Oh, yes, yeah. it's pretty cool. I like it. I, I'm biased. <laughs> we have two listener minis listener for this one. Minis, no. <laughs> <laughs> Marie, you're giving the game away because the first one is from Michael Ridgeway. Ridgeway. Hello, Michael. Hi, Michael. I love you, Michael. You're so big. <laughs> <laughs> Michael starts with some things he liked. The haunted house creepy scariness. The whose hand am I holding was an homage to 1960s film The Haunting. Mm. Perhaps the episode was also an homage to Seventh Doctor's sinister haunted house classic adventure Ghostlight. Michael also liked the pocket universe, which looked great. And the Doctor seemed genuinely scared. Yes. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. Michael continues with the crab creature thingy. Calling it a very alien alien. Mm-hmm. <gasps> I mean, in the next one, uh, Michael <laughs> is also joining Marie's Clara fan club. Woohoo! Yes, Michael. Um, Clara's mini time travel freakout was great acting. Plus, she saved the doctor. Hurrah! Your membership card and badge are in the mail, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> you need to design a logo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marie's Clara fan club. <laughs> then Michael has some boofs. First beef is, we're the Ghostbusters. Oh. <laughs> Groan. At least we didn't get another Doctor Who joke. Oh, yes. <laughs> Doctor what is a welcome relief. Yeah. <laughs> True. Michael's second beef is, who the hell was the lady trapped in the pocket universe? How did she get there? Did I totally miss this? No, you did not. No, she, she just got lost. Yeah. Michael continues with an uber beef. <laughs> One take. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We did it. High five. Fantastic. Um, (laughs) Michael doesn't like the ending. What? Oh, isn't that sweet? No, no, it is not. What is wrong with you writers? You're just near ruining the episode. Stupidest twist ever. (laughs) At least the close runner up for this award, Android Invasion, brackets, (laughs) I wore gate. Yes. was funny. New Who has too many misunderstood slash they're just trying to help monsters. Is it too much to ask for an alien that wants to bite people's face stuff just for fun? And I thought the TARDIS could only go to the pocket universe once at a stretch. I demand a re-edit. Oh, I don't feel, I feel like, oh, whatever. (laughs) 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 In summary, says Michael, crappy M. Night Shyamalan twist aside, mostly good 
and Michael's rating is three out of five minutes this episode should have been cut by to make its rating four out of five. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, excellent stuff. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Love you, Michael. You're so big. <laughs> the the uh... <laughs> His following so big. Ooh. On Twitter, you say? Yes, I do say. How, how are you reading this from my aura? Are you an empath? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is just my 78th episode in a row. <laughs> you can Congratulations. Oh, bravo. <laughs> you can follow Michael on Twitter. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. Yes. <laughs> Next up, we've got Trenton Bliss. Hello, Trenton. Hi, Trenton. What up, Trenton? That's not what I sound like. <laughs> hey, hello, Trenton. <laughs> Trenton starts. Why couldn't we just do proper ghosts? I mean, do- wait, wait. Oh, this was your beef. Uh, <laughs> well, Someone's empathically on your wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Doctor Who and ghosts, why can't that just be a thing? Why do we need a timey-wimey explanation to everything? Also, a monster of the week that really isn't a monster? Come on! Come on! I like the alien of the week. But I agree on the ghost thing. Absolutely agree on the ghost thing. No, no. No, no, no. It's a sci-fi show. It should have a sci-fi twist on things. Okay. Yes. I'm with you, Trenton. Um, I cannot read the next paragraph, so I'm going to skip it. No, I'll, I'll read it. Oh. Trenton don't like Clara. <laughs> he is not part of the fan club. You're out of the fan club, Trenton. You are, your badge is not in the post, Trenton. <laughs> The TARDIS doesn't like Clara for a very good reason. I mean, the only reason the Doctor is there is to get answers about Clara. He isn't there for the ghost. That was a bonus. He was there for Clara! (laughs) I will say, the rest of the class, including Clara, is fantastic. I don't think he is including Clara. No. That's right, you're editorialising. Well, I just thought he probably missed missed it out. (laughs) That's what he wanted to say. Anyway. Now, he's saying that Hyla Takorian, with her three lines, is better than Clara in this episode. <gasps> My heart. He's saying that Lady Cronenberg, who we never see, is better than Clara. <gasps> or Sir Cronenberg. Or Sir Cronenberg. Yes, sorry, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Maybe uh, the Cronenbergs are not restricted by this. Yeah, uh, this concept of gender. Maybe exactly. they're like ex- uh, Apologies for my heteronormativity. <laughs> The rest of the cast is fantastic. The woman who played the psychic was brilliant and also played Verity Lambert in an adventure in space and time. You could almost feel what she feels. Because she's an empath. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Acting is top notch. Not how this works. (laughs) (laughs) Question, says Trenton. If the TARDIS couldn't go to the pocket universe, how did it go there and back to our universe twice? Also, what was the point of adding that monster to the story if it wasn't really a monster? It was just some creature that got stuck there with the time traveller. Trenton concludes, when the Doctor and Clara go back for the creature, the episode just sort of ends. It's so strange. It just ends. 2.6 out of 5. His review just ended. (laughs) Okay, I like the ending of this episode. I don't feel like... I, I would be disappointed if we got another one of the two Cronenbergs strolling down a freaking meadow. Hand in hand. Yeah. yeah frolicking yeah. across a Scottish moor. I, I would be tremendously disappointed. Mm. I think the TARDIS goes to the pocket universe thanks to the empath. Mm. I think. I, I like that explanation. Yeah, th- there is a lot to enjoy about this episode, but I'm still slightly confused how everyone but me has rated it above average. When there are all these problems. <laughs> well, you and Trenton are pretty much uh, on the same page here. Yeah, we're just wise. either side of right in the middle. 
but everyone right. else is like, yeah, this is great, apart from the thousand things wrong with it. <laughs> but it's so enjoyable. It really is. Yeah. And for a one-episode arc, <laughs> yeah. you have to allow some leeway. Like it, it has to omit certain characterization, just not all the characterization mm. of certain characters, but whatever. Uh, peeps. You thought we'd stop talking about Trent, and we haven't. <laughs> We've still got more to go. <laughs> <laughs> because you can follow Trenton online. He can be found at Trenton Bless. That's Bless with two what's, Marie? S's. That's right. What have we got next? <gasps> A classic Who episode, <laughs> namely the, the, the Cask of Amontillado, the Mask of Mandragora. Ooh, sounds I, interesting. I know, Can't right? Can't wait to hear that one. Mm-mm-mm. After that, we're going to have a new episode, namely... Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS! Oh! <laughs> See, do you know, that trailer looked fucking awesome, mm. didn't these, it? All these trailers look amazing. Who's cutting these trailers? Cut the whole episode You need a time. raise. Yeah, yeah, no, you should just be promoted to episode cutter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the I feel like we would get, like, three-minute episodes, though. But they'd be awesome. Super high octane. <laughs> Okie dokie. Well, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. Marie, you're not on Twitter. I am on Twitter. It's called Twittybox. Uh, follow me at... No. Yeah, it, just see, <laughs> just see if that's true. And if it's not true, you can email <laughs> whobackwhen at gmail.com and we'll pass it along. Drew, you are on Twitter, I believe. Yes, meet me for a Tweety brunch at Drew Backwen. Excellent branding. And I'm at Ponkin. Follow me and ask me why. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next time you've been a lovely audience, thank you so much for listening. Rock on and ciao ciao. Bye bye. Toodles. <laughs> You're so big. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when?